Good morning, and welcome to episode 404 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindberg, joined as always by Sam Miller. Howdy. Today, our podcast preview series takes us to the Atlanta Braves. Later in the show, Nick Wheatley-Schaller will talk to Mark Bradley from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Right now, however, we will talk to Mark Smith, who blogs about the Braves for Talking Chop and also wrote the Braves essay for the Baseball Prospectus Annual. Hey, Mark. Hello. You sound happy, and you should be happy, I guess, because the Braves took all of, took all of your recommendations from the essay. Uh, you, you wrote mostly about how they should sign some players to extensions, and shortly after the book came out, they, they did almost all of the things that you wanted them to do. So, so your work here is done, I guess. Good job. I'm pretty good. They, uh, evidently, they read the book, and so uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's, how they, that's how they figure all this stuff out. It's just <laughs> listening to me, obviously. I, they spurred that one thing on because they read that one essay. Certainly seems that way. Uh, so did anything... I mean, I imagine you were surprised about how quickly it came together. I think everyone was probably, but were you surprised at all by any of the the terms or the the players that they chose to extend? Was anything about the way that they went about it uh, a surprise to you? Well, I mean, I was pretty shocked overall just because the last time they had signed a kind of a pre-ARP our player to an extension was back when Brian McCann was, you know, essentially two years into his career. Uh, granted, they didn't really have too many players in between them that, that deserved kind of that extension, but still having probably about six years in between them kind of leaves anything to be a shock. Um, definitely Craig Kimbrell was probably the one I was most shocked about, uh-huh. just because I figured, you know, especially with him asking for nine mil in his first arbitration season that he was going to shoot for the moon when it came to the money that would be required and just spending that much money on a closer is just kind of difficult to do, especially when you're a team that's probably going to be in the bottom of the third of payrolls next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that one probably overall was, I was a little surprised to see Tehran get one. Um, but considering the amount of upside that he has and that he performed so well last season, I mean, it made sense. It was just kind of a little surprising that they did it so early in his career. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's still some unfinished business here? Is, is there some player who's still left on their extension to-do list? Um, you know, I mean, Mike Miner's probably the other one that people have been kind of considering. Uh, but especially with his uh, couple injuries so far this spring training, especially the one revolving around his main parts. Yeah, um, the less we talk about what sort of surgery he had this winter, probably <laughs> the better. But uh, I, I would say he's probably the next most likely, at least considering that Jason Hayward is presumably off the table for the moment. Yeah, that was my, my next question. So the Braves bought out his remaining arbitration years, but his free agency is fast approaching. Um, you expect him to to hit the market, I guess, and and cash in to such an extent the Braves might be out of the running, or do you think they will be competitive? Um, I imagine he's going to hit the market. Just, I mean, given the fact that the Braves have extended a few players this offseason, their willingness to invest in players seems to be there. Now, whether or not they've actually determined that Hayward is a guy worth extending, I presume they have, but um, 
you know, at this point, it seems like he's going to test that market. And, you know, I'm, I imagine that they'll make him a competitive offer, but, you know, he's probably going to look to break the bank, and I don't think the Braves are a team that can do that. My only hope at this point is that having signed the, the amount of players that they have will entice him to stay because he knows that he's going to be around these guys for a lot more time. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of an outside shot, though, but I imagine he's going to hit free agency. Uh, so from a performance perspective, what do you expect out of Hayward? Because he, by by BP's warp, he has had two five-plus win seasons as a as a 24-year-old. And uh, people still seem to expect more or be a bit disappointed by what we've seen from him so far. Is this the season that everything is going to come together in a way that satisfies everyone? Or do you expect some further frustration? I mean, I hope so. Um, you know, I think the talent's certainly there. You saw kind of the power, you know, come on at times, especially at the end of the season last year. That's kind of kind of been what everybody's been waiting for because he's kind of been that twenty home run guy, except for two thousand twelve. And you know, I mean, two thousand twelve was an excellent season. He just didn't have the you know batting average I think that people expected because the strikeout rate went really high um but you know the strikeout rate went really far down last season along with keeping a really good walk rate and you know hopefully the power is starting to blossom and i think if he can keep all of that together and he stays healthy and doesn't get doesn't have a second appendix that we don't know about you know chances are i I think he's going to have another at least five win season and hopefully more than that i think there's definitely a chance that he breaks out into that mvp type season He's still young enough. He's still got. He's still fast enough to be that elite defender out in right field, along with adding, you know, value on the bases. So, I think it's definitely there. But I mean, I think being a five-win player is, I think, at least the expectation and kind of a very like, if he doesn't meet that, being disappointed expectation. Does Atlanta? Uh, I mean, cities have a tendency to sometimes turn on their best players. And Hayward's arguably not their best player anymore, but you know, to some degree, he he was. He was. Uh, you know the the hope the big star has Atlanta turned on him at all uh, as he's become sort of a different player than people were expecting even though he's still a very good one. Um, you know you, you get any fans that you know when a guy doesn't play as well as you expect they're going to kind of get on him and especially at the beginning of last season the first couple of months he's kind of he wasn't having the se- season that anybody would want what anybody would expect mostly because his BABIP was just incredibly low. Um, and yeah, I mean, sure. They kind of turned on him for a little bit, but I don't think the overall fan base feels that way. I think it's probably more of a vocal minority of that sort of thing. But, uh, for the most part, I think most people recognize how good of a player Jason Hayward is, but just like any fan base, they get kind of caught up in the particular moments where maybe he doesn't follow through as you'd expect. Yeah. So, um, so the Braves are famously one of these, um, file and go teams, um, which means that they once they exchange arbitration figures with a player, uh, they commit to going to arbitration. Um, so they s- basically create this deadline so that everybody has to reach an agreement um, rather than stringing it along all the way up until the possible arbitration date. So um, under this philosophy, the Braves have never had to go to arbitration with a player. They've always reached an agreement um, by the filing date, um, which has sort of been kind of proof that this works, I guess. Um, but then this year was a big exception because until uh, they reached the long-term agreements with Kimbrell and Freeman and Hayward, all three of those players were expected to go to arbitration. Um, they had all passed the uh, file uh, the filing date, and um, 
So it, it seemed inevitable that they would have to do their first arbitration hearings with really their big three stars. So uh, I, I don't know. You, I don't know if you know this, the answer to this, but d is it just a coincidence that they had arbitration hearings scheduled with all these three guys uh, the same year that they um, reached these long-term extensions? Do you think that that's part of the reason that they um, that they didn't reach an agreement earlier, or do you think it's part of the reason that they did reach a long-term agreement? That's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. I can see it kind of going both ways. Um, yeah, I think it was probably more of an impetus to kind of get things rolling. You know, they probably had extension talks with these guys the entire off-season. Off and so as you kind of get down to, I don't know, I guess brass tacks when you get to the filing date, everybody's kind of trying to position themselves to see who's actually going to be serious about this whole thing. And, you know, possibly once they got to the filing date and the Braves kind of cut off negotiations, like, all right, well, what if we talk about extensions again and kind of get that back up going? You know, okay, you're serious, we're serious, you know, and maybe kind of going from there. But I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, I thought it would be. It's why, that's why I decided to tell you with no preparation. <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> um, so Andrelton Simmons is a player of interest on the Braves. Uh, everyone talks about the defense and should. The defense is great. Um, I'm kind of fascinated by the offense because his his profile at the plate last year was sort of strange. He <laughs> he hit for a lot of power or more power than than people expected, and didn't strike out, and also had a low batting average and a low BABIP, which is kind of a, a confluence of of things that you don't usually see going together. So, where does he go from here? Is he going to strike out more? Is he going to hit for more power or less power? Is he going to hit for the high average? What do you expect prime Andrelton Simmons's slash line to look like, let's say? It depends. I mean, he's definitely a mistake hitter when it comes to power. I mean, if you watch him hit, I mean, he definitely takes a hack. He doesn't get cheated up there. Um, but he does have really great hand-eye coordination. I mean, he does hit the ball. You know, he does put the bat on the ball at least. But he also had a really high pop-up rate last year, and it was one of the highest in the major leagues. So... You know, when he takes those big swings, he's not making the greatest contact in the world. So, I mean, I would almost expect that he would kind of learn to tone that down a little bit and learn to put the, more of the barrel on the ball. And so I would expect the power numbers eventually to go down. I don't expect him to hit 20 home runs a season or, you know, really approach that every year. But I definitely expect the batting average to go up. I don't know that he'll ever walk a whole lot. Um... But, you know, prime Angelton Simmons, at least offensively, I could see being something close to 2012. You know, he hits for a pretty high average, you know, walks at, you know, probably below average clip, but gets an above average on base percentage, along with having, you know, enough pop where, you know, he's kind of like an average-ish or better hitter. And if you have an average-ish or better hitter along with the elite defense that he brings, I mean, you really are talking about kind of like an MVP caliber guy in his prime. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, and I can definitely see 2012 kind of being that level of offense. But, you know, given the fact that he does tend to be pretty aggressive, you know, he's not necessarily the most disciplined hitter in the world. And then he does take such big cuts. You know, if he does get full happy or homer happy, I mean, it could definitely get worse. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ben had to come up with a bold prediction for some TV appearance he was doing. And he, he batted around uh, Angleton Simmons' MVP. Um, so 
Is that actually um, Andrelton Simmons deserving MVP, not actually winning? Was my prediction. Uh, uh, <laughs> There's a difference. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. Uh, what are you gonna look up? The the future? No, your conversation with me. Oh well, I don't know what I said to you, but that was what I said on TV. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, is that um, I don't know. What do you think? Is that realistic at this point, or will I mean? I guess that's two separate questions, right? One of them is. Is he can is he capable of an eight war season, which seems reasonable because he's capable of like a six defensive war season. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that we're there yet. Like, do people really see him that way at this point? Probably not, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really expects an MVP caliber season just because I think there's still a lot of doubt as far as just how good. Or just how valuable. Not, not, not gonna say how good he is. I think everybody realizes that he's kind of a once-in-generation defensive talent. But how much that really matters as far as the defensive metrics go, and how many runs that's worth. Um, but I mean, you know, to be honest, I mean, if he comes back and he hits, you know, again, kind of like a 2012 level, and he does the kind of defensive work that he did last year. I mean, you're talking about a guy that put up almost two and a half WAR in about a third of a season in 2012. So you kind of multiply that across and you, you know, give him kind of the defensive bump that he got last year. Sure. I mean, I, I really don't see why not. And then, you know, the fact that he's gotten kind of a lot of press as far as, you know, his defense goes, even if he hits, you know, moderately well to where he's hitting near 300, um, you know, batting average wise. I mean, I could definitely see him getting a lot of MVP votes, you know, people looking at it and saying, oh, there's the batting average, at least the MVP voters anyway. Anyway, looking at that and then seeing the, you know, kind of otherworldly defensive, you know, numbers or defensive, you know, plays that he makes. Sure, I could definitely see it happening. Do I expect it to happen? No, I don't think anybody ex- expects that to happen. But, um, you know, I don't know how many times you expect a 23, 24-year-old to come out and be the MVP. I'm just glad that we're going to get the, the tracking system set up while Andrelton Simmons is still oh, young know. so that we can preserve whatever he does for posterity. That's going to be so awesome. Um, so on to a couple less happy subjects. Uh, first, BJ Upton. Um, we've been Yikes. reading, we've been reading some things about the adjustments that he's made <laughs> and he's spent the winter watching video and he has realized what he was doing wrong and he wasn't using his legs and he's gone back to doing that and it sounds wonderful. Uh, and <laughs> I, I've, I've always been kind of fascinated by, by players who make mechanical changes because if you look often they're real and they produce a, a, an observable change in performance. Often they do not and nothing changes at all. So how, uh, what's your confidence level right now or based on what you saw from him last season and what you've read recently, what are you expecting? The skepticism that I took from your tone is pretty much about how I feel about that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you, get, you get the like Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion stories where it's like, oh, see, all I did was a toe tap and now I hit 50 home runs a season. <laughs> Woo! Um, it, it's mostly hogwash. Um, I, I really want to believe it because, I mean, Braves spent a lot of money on BJ Upton. I don't want him to be a piece of crap like he was last season for all intents and purposes. Um, but at the same time, I think there's some natural bounce back, you know, just in the fact that he's only 29 years old still. And, you know, he's going to he's going to be going through the league a second time. So he's seen all the pitchers again. So I expect that he's going to perform better anyway without having made the mechanical adjustments. You know, if the mechanical adjustments end up making a world of difference, fantastic, you know, at, great. 
But, you know, I think he could be, you know, pretty close to a two-win average major league player anyway, just from kind of a natural bounce back type of thing. Um, but if, you know, mechanical adjustments work, hey, great. I mean, I'll still hold out hope because I'm a Braves fan and I want it to happen. But the uh, the analyst side of me is definitely sitting there with the same skepticism that you have. Just kind of like, yeah, a lot of people talk about it and then nothing ever really happens from it. So, you know, we'll see. You know, it could be a, uh, you know, maybe some of the things weren't mechanical. They were, you know, mental approach things. So, you know, guys- we'll just have to see. Do you guys think that there's much significance to a year turning over? Because it's not like he was getting better. You know, it's not like he was regressing to his career averages as the season went on. You know, he kept getting worse. And, you know, he got to see the league a second and third time around in the summer. And, you know, he probably had seen most of those pitchers anyway. And I mean, so, like, there's, there's no, like, positive indication that he was, you know, getting better. But, like, there is this way that a new year feels significant. And... I don't know if there's any logic to that. Like, do you think it's reasonable to think like, well, April is not the same as September because it's like like it's a different year? I well, think so. I mean, you know, you get, you get. I, I mean, I have to imagine that was pretty frustrating for him, you know. And it's, I don't know, it's probably hard to show up every day and you know continue to bring the same enthusiasm. And then you know, this year everything starts off kind of bright and shiny and new. And maybe that's just me being you know, a guy who would look forward to the new year when I was playing Little League because God knows the last year didn't go well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, sure. I mean, I, I could see something like that happening. But, I mean, again, yeah, I don't I don't know that I fully believe in it. The way that one of the articles I read spun it was that he was just so screwed up mechanically that it, it was impossible to fix in season so that whatever work he did was just reinforcing the bad habits. And so he needed more time off to to do the complete overhaul um again I, you can buy that or not but that was that was the explanation for why we should be optimistic mm-hmm. uh the other unhappy subject is the starting rotation uh, yeah. i know that that sam is is devastated by the the chris medlin injury uh, yeah, he's been. It's my been, one tout. My one tout this year. <laughs> yeah, no, you need <laughs> him and him and Mark Mulder basically. <laughs> yeah, so your record's not that great so far. Um, so Medlin, of course, uh, he left the start and uh, seemed to be some sort of elbow problem. He had an MRI, and there is apparently ligament involvement, which is not a good thing. You you don't want the ligament involved. <laughs> um, he uh, has has already survived Tommy John surgery, so so this is scary. Uh, and then in other news, Mike Miner may or may not be ready for the start of the season. Brandon Beachy is experiencing some soreness, which could be routine or could be a sign of something more serious. So, uh, where does this leave the the starting rotation right now, or as of opening day? Yeah, it, do- it doesn't look good heading into opening day. I mean, I don't know how serious the Mike Miner issue is. I mean, if Mike Miner's ready to go, at least you have Miner, Tehran, and Wood kind of in there. Um, yeah, and the nice thing is that opening day is only opening day. You know, the b- baseball season's six months long. So if you're not ready to rock and roll from day one, you know, I mean, most other people are going to have injuries at some point during the year, too. So, you know, you'll catch- kind of catch up to everybody else as things go on. Uh, but it definitely doesn't look good because, I mean, there's not a whole lot waiting in AAA. You know, there's not a whole lot as far as our starting prospects go. Um, being kind of really ready for that. You know, J.R. Graham didn't pitch most of last year with the shoulder thing. So while you'd love to see him get that chance, you know, 
I don't know how much you can really expect from him. David Hale did really awesome in two starts last se- at the end of last season, but it was against the Phillies and the Padres. So, I mean, what are you going to go with there? Cody Martin, I mean, he might. You know, there's you know, there's a decent chance that he's you know at least serviceable. Aaron Northcraft is, I mean, maybe a poor man's Justin Masterson if you kind of want to look at it that way. But you know, there's there's some options there, but none of them are particularly appetizing. I don't know that anybody, if they'd have you know two or three injuries to the rotation, would have a whole lot of good options there. But you know, they at least do have something to go back on, and you know, with Kevin Floyd uh, being, you know, hopefully ready come early June, you know, that will be a nice reinforcement, at least at some point, just in case one of those injuries happens to be a little bit more severe than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you're, you talked about how there isn't really a lot of major league ready starting pitching uh, in, in, in the high minors. So one of the interesting things about the Braves is that they ranked really high on our 25 and under talent rankings that, that Jason Parks produced a few weeks ago. They were third on that list, but they were 24th on the farm rankings list, which I think was the probably the biggest gap between ranks of, of any team. So uh, this is a team that has developed a lot of young talent lately, but it seems like isn't really ready to refresh that young talent. Where have they gone wrong if they've gone wrong anywhere in uh in adding to to that pipeline? Well, I mean, they've certainly missed on some draft prospects. This, you know, you had Sean Gilmartin a few years ago, and they ended up just trading him for Ryan Domit. So, I mean, trading away a former first-round pick for a bench guy is never really a great sign. You know, Matt Lipka didn't really kind of live up to his first-round billing either. So, you've had some kind of misses there in the past couple drafts, I guess. You know, and you look at Lucas Sims, you know, he did a great job last year, looks fantastic, but he's a high school kid, so what are you going to do there? Um, and then, you know, last year, Jason Hirsch, you know, he could be fine, but you're not going to throw him in the rotation at any point this season, you know, in all likelihood. So, you know, in between kind of the Hayward Freeman, you know, minor time and the last couple years, there were just kind of a lot of missed early round picks that just really didn't turn into much other than maybe like Indrelton Simmons. So, you know, at that point, it, it doesn't really help you to have, you know, it's hard to replenish that all that talent when you're not hitting on some of those high picks. It happens, but at the same time, you'd rather have that major league talent come in and, you know, having all those guys that are kind of 24, 23, you know, it, it definitely helps, but, you know, you, you know, again, you do kind of have to refill it at some point, which they you know, haven't really been able to do, and some of the Latin American guys haven't really fallen through either. All right, so uh, as we do at the end of each of these, we need a prediction. So tell us how many wins the Braves are going to have this season. Uh, I'm going to go 93. Oh, my word. That's, a, that's, that's not only uh, a strong prediction, but that might be the... I don't know, Ben, do you think that's the most differential between Pakoda and a guest's prediction that we've had? Uh, I don't think so, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's one of the larger ones. Well, in that case, 103. Do I win a record now? Do I get a prize? <laughs> now you do, I think. And your, your prize is that you get to hang up now. Uh, so thank you, Mark, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can read Mark's work at TalkingChop.com. You can follow him on Twitter at 5GoatsPie. Uh, 
please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com, subscribe to the Play Index, use the coupon code BP for a $6 discount on a one-year subscription. And now Nick will talk to Mark Bradley. Welcome to Drop Third Strike. I'm Nick Wheatley-Schaller, and I'll be interviewing beat writers, columnists, and broadcasters from around the country, getting their perspective on the teams they cover. I'm here with Mark Bradley, columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. How's it going, Mark? Good, thanks. So you cover all of Georgia sports, including the Hawks, the Falcons, the Georgia college teams, and then also the Braves. Where do the Braves fit in the current landscape of Georgia sports, and how has that changed over the past 20 or so years? Um, They've always been pretty high up there. I I would say that uh, the... The two sports of the greatest, the two teams of greatest interest to, to local people are uh, are generally Georgia, the Georgia football team, and uh, and the Braves. Those are, uh, and depending on what kind of season uh, the two uh, the teams are having, uh, it can go back and forth between one and two and two and one. But uh, but the, uh, of the pro teams, uh, the Braves are are the more the the most popular by far. When the Braves announced their upcoming relocation to Cobb County, you began a blog post by writing, not much shocks me, this did. Has that shock worn off over the last four months, and what's the current sentiment among Braves fans about the move? Well, I think it, it's it's seen pretty much as a fait accompli by now, that yeah. uh, that they, they, they seem to think that uh, it's, people seem to think that it's going to happen, they're, uh, as we've, we've had a lot of stadiums built down here, and then subsequently torn down over the years but uh um you know we we we've seen enough and 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 also with olympic construction back in the early 90s to know that there are always going to be snags but uh i I think that most people think that the the braves are indeed going to move to cobb county and that uh for better or worse that's that's where people are going to have to go to watch the braves play become 2017, and uh, you know, in in some ways, I think uh, I think it will be uh, uh, an intriguing change uh, for uh, for the area because it is the first time that a the pro team has moved out of downtown Atlanta into the, one of the one of the uh, uh, counties out uh, in one of the suburb into one of the suburban counties. But at the same time, you know, they um, they're you know the Braves have played downtown uh, uh, in two different stadiums uh, that across the street from one another uh, since they arrived in 1966. So, uh, so that will be quite a departure, uh, literally and figuratively. What was the big motivation in choosing Cobb County? I mean, they obviously were looking to move out of the suburbs. Was it about getting a good deal on stadium? Well, I think you'll probably be shocked to find out that uh, money was uh, kind of at, uh, at the root of all this. Cobb County gave them a good deal, and yeah. that uh, uh, there there wasn't another uh, county in the surrounding area that was was either uh, willing or able to do that. Uh, it, it was a deal much better than the city of Atlanta uh, was proposing. The city of Atlanta had already sort of uh, committed itself to helping the Falcons stay downtown. Uh, in in the building of their new stadium, where as I say, we we build a lot of stadiums down here. But uh, I, I think the Braves found a really nice parcel of land that uh, is by uh, uh, that that abuts not one but two major interstates here, uh, 285, which is the 
the Circle Highway that Pascual mm-hmm. Perez made famous back in, ni- in the 1980s, and uh, I-75, which is, a, which is a pretty big deal in that it goes all the way to Michigan and to Florida. So uh, that you know that there there is easy access off of both of those uh, both of those major highways to the stadium. Uh, now I, I did say easy access. There are times when the access is not quite so easy, yeah. uh, as we know from from Atlanta traffic. But I think that uh, I think that the Braves uh, uh, I think that the Braves know enough about Cobb County, and uh, they know enough about. Uh, their uh, constituency and, and especially their ticket buyers to, to believe that they are going to sell more uh, tickets and are going to draw more people here than they were drawing downtown. And I also think that uh, we've already seen them start to uh, start to uh, uh, show that some of the benefits of what they see as benefits and that the Braves have uh, moved pretty, uh, pretty boldly this off season to uh, uh, extend the, uh, Five of their uh, mm-hmm. five of the players who are, are key members of the young core, and uh, and they spent nearly three hundred million dollars in these in these contracts, which is for by Braves standards a uh, a massive uh, a massive in, uh, in investment in their future. And I, I think uh, in in the main, it's a, it's been a very very uh, positive thing. Yeah, the timing of those extensions was definitely very interesting. After I think they they announced that the move in just the beginning of November. Um, right. So they, the guys who they signed to long-term deals were Freddie Freeman, Andrelton Simmons, Craig, Craig Kimbrell, and Julio Tehran. They signed um, Hayward to just a short deal that buys out just his last two arbitration years. Which of those guys right. are you most excited to see the Braves commit to? Which contract was the most surprising? And why do you think that Hayward was left out of the long-term extension mix? Well, I think to answer your first question, your last question first, mm-hmm. uh, I think that Hayward was was left out of the mix because uh, it, it sounds strange because he's been here the longest. But yeah. he, uh, well, Kimber, he and Kimbrell, but uh, he he's kind of the hardest to get a read on because his career has not tracked a, a smooth path so far. He was very good as a rookie. Uh, he was not very good uh, in his second season. Uh, the last two had been better, but last last season was obviously uh, truncated by uh, two different sorts of surgery. He had an appendectomy, and he also had surgery for the broken jaw. So, you know, his numbers at this point in his career are good, uh, but they probably aren't what you would have thought they would have been uh, if you had watched him as a rookie when he was considered the number one prospect in baseball. And, you know, I, I think the Braves are, are, and I think the Braves have actually said this, that it, it, it's hard to know what, what Jason's, uh, Hayward's value is right yeah. now. What is, is it the, the value of his still immense potential, or is it the value that he's actually going to produce on the field? And, and I think that, uh, this sort of splits the difference. It gets them to the point where, you know, they don't have to go to arbitration against him, uh, but there is the, the real chance that he's going to, to uh, blossom and, and then leave yeah. as, uh, as one of those big-ticket free agents that the Braves have bid uh, goodbye to over the years. Uh, to go to the other parts of the question, I, I think that the, 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 the two uh, guys that I'm most not, – not, and this is no knock on Kimbrell or, or Freeman, who are, mm-hmm. who are uh, very good players, and, and Kimbrell, of course, is, is the, best, the best in the business now at what he does with – Mariana Rivera no longer being active, but um, 
I, I th- I'm very excited about the, the Simmons move and the Tehran move because I think Tehran is is the best young arm the Braves have have actually uh, cultivated and 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 developed uh, since uh, since maybe Steve Avery back in the early '90s. I, I think he has tremendous potential. Uh, we started to see some of that last year, and, and you know some of his games were just outstanding games. Uh, I, I remember him carrying a no hitter against the Pirates, who were, were, were a nice team, uh, into the eighth inning uh, in an afternoon game early in the season. And I thought that was about as dominating as I've ever seen a Braves pitcher. And, and you know, I, I've, I've been here since 1984, so I've seen a few pretty good Braves pitchers over time. Um, and, I, and also because I think Simmons is, has a chance uh, uh, to be, if he's not already, one of the greatest defensive uh, shortstops in the history of baseball. And, and I think he's probably going to hit uh, uh, a lot better than he already has, and, and he hasn't been badly so far. And I, I think I think that investment was a very shrewd one because I, I think he is, uh, uh, you know, I think he plays the most uh, the, the most the key position uh, if you're setting a defense, and I think he's great at it. And uh, I, I, to to have locked him up, I think is uh, is excellent. And I think it's uh, if, if you're asking me which is the most surprising of the extensions, I, I would probably say one of those two, because I think that uh, uh, both Terron and, and Simmons have uh, have a lesser body of work than, than mm-hmm. say, Kimbrell and uh, Freeman. And uh, um, I, th- I, th- I do think that the amount that Freeman got was a little bit surprising. $135 million is quite a bit, uh, especially if you consider that I think Paul Goldschmidt signed for, for like almost $100 million or $90 million less than that uh, uh, last year. But uh, but I think Freeman is is a pretty good anchor, and I, I think that uh, um, you know he's a very good young hitter, and I think he has a chance to to uh, be a very good thirty uh, year old hitter uh, uh, at the at the rate he's traveling. Simmons is an interesting case because obviously an elite defender at the top top defensive position, he ended up hitting seventeen home runs last year. So you th- so you think you can only imagine how good he would be if he started to hit a little better. Yeah, well, I, I think he's going to too. I, I mean, this is a guy who, who was a pitcher for a long time. That's mm-hmm. where the arm comes from. But uh, 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 yeah, I, I don't think you look at him and think that guy can never hit. I, I think you think, you know, he, he he doesn't strike out a whole lot, which is which is unusual uh, for uh, for Braves in particular, mm-hmm. and and most players in baseball now uh, in general. Uh, and and I think that uh, you know, I I don't think it's a question of him not. Uh, being able to to read the strike zone or to work a count or anything like that, I, I just think he, I think he's going to get better with time, and and I think that you know, you know he could hit what Dan Hubley hits, and, and because of his defense, he'll be uh, a tremendous asset. But if if he could hit 270 or two or even 260, I, I would think that that would be, uh, I, I think the Braves would would consider that uh, just a wonderful output, uh, given what he brings. Uh, the Braves have had some trouble keeping their starting pitchers healthy this year. Mike Miner, Chris Medlin, yeah, yeah. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Beachy, and Gavin Floyd. I don't know if I can keep going, but yeah, I, I think you pretty well you've 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 pretty well gone down the list there. Well, and that, it's not so much this year; it's like this week. Uh, yeah, it, it, Medlin was hurt on Sunday. Uh, Miner has uh, has has had complications because he got behind in his. Uh, Conditioning due to a, a off-season surgery uh, didn't involve uh, uh, his pitching arm, 
and uh, I, I think that it's uh, it's uh, it's been and then, and then Beachy uh, was pulled from the start uh, uh, yesterday, uh, two innings ahead of schedule because he had tightness in the biceps. So uh, no, it has not been uh, things have not gone the way the Braves wanted it to go, wanted them to go here in spring training. And I, I think if if you you know if if you're if you want to analyze this, I think you'd have to say that uh, the Braves, uh, the 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 outlook for the season has changed here in yeah. the last uh, day or two, just because um, there's a real chance now that they're going to go into the season with three of their top four pitchers, starting pitchers, on the disabled list, and there's there I think there's also a chance that Chris Medlin may not uh, pitch for the Braves uh, for a good while, if at all, this season. And uh, and that's a major thing. I mean, he started the only playoff game they played in 2012. He started game one of the division series last year. He was set to start uh, the opening day game this year. So, you know, if, if, you know by, by that measure, you would have to say he was the Braves' number one pitcher. And, uh, and if he was the number one guy off your staff, even if he was not – Verlander or Kershaw, I think that uh, you know there there is going to be a ripple effect, and and the ripple effect now is that uh, it looks like Julio Tehran may be the uh, opening day starting pitcher, and we're really not sure who might be the game three starting pitcher because uh, it's uh, uh, Floyd isn't supposed to be ready until May. Uh, they do have Freddie Garcia, which I know makes the sabermetric uh, folks just. Uh, Dance with delight because they they they're not very big on Freddie. Although I th- I think that he's he's a pretty good insurance policy. Um, and then um, and then there's uh, uh, the youngster Alex Wood who's 22 and has started 11 games in his career. And David Hale who started a couple of games last year. Uh, he's 26 and was kind of a surprise. But beyond that, uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot in the organization. Their uh, top prospect, Lucas Sims, probably isn't ready yet, uh, and I don't know that they would be. I don't know that they would be inclined to uh, uh, press him into major league service uh, just yet, even 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 if he were close. Uh, so, um, you know, there's a chance they may need may need to do uh, to buy another Freddie Garcia. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't see them going out and getting an Irvin Santana or. or Making a move of that caliber, for one thing, I don't have, think they have much cash left after the 300 million or so that they spent uh, over the winter. But uh, um, you know, I, I do think the Braves right now are, 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 you know, they are not where they thought they were going to be uh, three weeks from opening day. B.J. Upton had a pretty disappointing first year with the Braves. His strikeout soared and his power disappeared. He's got four years left on that contract. How patient are the fans going to be as he tries to have a bounce back year? Well, um, that's a good question. I, I, I would think the answer would be not very. <laughs> uh, and you know, and it, I, I think one of the good, in a, in a strange way, I think the fact that they're, they're that BJ Upton and Dan Uggler are both kind of in the same situation. They yeah. both hit under 190 last year. They both have signed big contracts uh, to to play for the Braves. Uh, and uh, and Upton only has Upton has four years left. Ugly has has only two. But it, it, it's kind of like that that they they've they've split the uh, they they split the uh, scorn uh, being heaped upon them uh, kind of halfway because you know it, it's kind of like it's not just one guy it's it's yeah. two guys and uh, uh, but yeah it, it, I I think that that there's 
you know, a chance that both of them, well, I think the chance of them doing better uh, than they did last year is, is pretty high, given yeah. that I think it would be uh, beyond belief to do worse. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that, uh, you know, I, I think the Braves have more invested both both dollar-wise and, and future-wise at this point in, in Upton, who is still on the on the, he's still not 30, uh, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Ugla, who is past 30. Uh, I, I think, I think they, if, if up, if Ugla were to have another bad year, I think the chances are that they would probably just buy him out and, and, and eat the rest of that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, they've got too much money sunk into BJ Upton for them to do that anytime soon. And I, and I don't think they're going to, the trade market is going to be, uh, a boil for either one of those guys at this point. So uh, I, I think the the Braves really do need BJ, BJ Upton to uh, to uh, have a decent season, uh, if not a good one, because uh, they they do need him uh, to solidify their outfield, if nothing else. Because uh, during the playoffs last year, they went in with an outfield of Evan Gaddis, who's a catcher, mm-hmm. playing left field. Uh, Jason Hayward, who's basically a right fielder, playing center. And Justin Upton, who had played most of the year in left field, playing right field, and and in in the first game against the Dodgers, there were a lot of balls that fell in, that uh, uh, that might not have fallen in if if the guys had just been in their their right spots and BJ Upton had been out there to play center field. But you know they 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 just couldn't go into the playoffs with a guy hitting under 190, uh, uh, taking uh, regular at bats. Pretty remarkable to think that they won 96 games last year, having those two guys played so poorly. You think that they're definitely going to be at least somewhat better. So that's more a pretty promising thing for Atlanta. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. Yeah. If, you, if you had if you had said that you know two of the highest salary guys on your team would have would hit not not wouldn't just not play well, they would yeah. hit uh, at at a historically terrible uh, uh, clip. Uh, and the Braves would still win 96 games, you would have thought, you know, well, what would they have won if those guys had hit yeah. like 220, yeah. uh, 110? Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty remarkable season. And, and I, some of it was, I think, skewed by the fact that the National League East wasn't very good last year, that the, the, the bottom three teams were awful. And the, the Nationals, uh, it took the Nationals a long time to even begin to play to their capacity. So... Um, so in in that regard, the Braves I think benefited from from where they were. But you know they did win 96 games, and and I think that uh, uh, you know they kind of settled in. They'd won 94 the year before that, uh, they, and they were at uh, I think 91 and 89 uh, uh, yeah. in 2010 and 2011. So they've uh, you know I, I think they've established kind of a benchmark now that they're going to be a good team. The question is, uh, can they can they be as good a team as they thought they were going to be? If the rotation uh, isn't what it what they thought it was going to be, you mentioned their success over the last four years, making the playoffs three out of those four years, and then winning ni- and winning ninety games three out of the last four years. Um, Frank Wren took over as the general manager after the two thousand seven season. That was right in the middle middle of their four year playoff drought. What has he done differently that's helped the the Braves turn things around? Well, I think I think one thing Frank has done is. Is that you know he he's made some big moves that didn't pan out uh, the way Braves fans would have liked. Uh, Derek Lowe wasn't quite as good as the Braves hoped he would be when they signed him. Uh, Ugla hasn't been as good. Mm-hmm. Upton hasn't been as good. 
but but I think the one thing Frank does pretty well is he he makes good little moves like uh, picking Ben Sheets out of his backyard uh, two summers ago when the Braves needed a starting pitcher, and and Sheets gave him like uh, seven or so pretty good starts at a time when when the, the rotation was was in flux and they needed that. Uh, I, I think Frank has done a pretty good job like at filling out a bench. Uh, I think getting guys uh, that uh, and, and he's done a good job building a bullpen. And now I think that that he's uh, he, he's he's been actually a little bit more forward thinking than maybe I would have would would have uh, imagined uh, given the activity of this off season. And that uh, um, you know uh, it was um, uh, six weeks ago that uh, or so that I think Ben Lindbergh and I uh, uh, your your uh, colleague in baseball perspectives and I were talking about you know are the Braves going to be able to keep any of their core uh, pieces yeah. and and within uh, within two weeks after that they managed to keep four plus Hayward and uh, and I, I thought that was uh, I, I was like Ben I didn't know if they would be able to do it or not I didn't know if they had the money or the inclination or the or the uh, or or just the imagination to do it and uh, and I, I give them full credit for doing that. All right, it was great great talking to you, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. That was Mark Bradley of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can read Mark at markbradley.blog.ajc.com or follow him on Twitter at markbradleyajc. Tomorrow I'll be previewing the Angels with Mike DiGiovanna of the Los Angeles Times. Well, it's like he said, po- like, podcast is that that's what he was typing, but he had at least 20 keys. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. That's the other sort of uh, Ben very famously, you ask him anything at all. And so you'll you'll ask him something like, um, like, like, yeah, what do you think baseball will be like in 2095? And then all of a sudden you'll just hear. Tap, 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 tap. <laughs> there's, one time you asked me something about the pirates and I Googled. Pirates. Yeah, he did. He Googled <laughs> pirates. <laughs> Just had to know. <laughs> Trying to bring our listeners the, the latest information.